0: Hi, I'm Pastor Kaylee. Thank you for listening to this sermon from Wood Street Chapel in Fortuna, California. You can find out more information about our church at www.woodstreetchapel.org. Sometimes when we look at our life, we, we often believe that the suffering or the hardship that we're experiencing in our life is going to serve as a blockade towards spiritual blessing. The, the, the difficulty that we are facing in our life is something that we have to overcome in order to reach that point of spiritual blessing that we believe God has called us to. And the fact of the matter is, and what we're going to see as we continue our study in the book of Philippians is that oftentimes that difficulty, that hardship that, let's be honest, we just wish wasn't there, that, that hardship and that difficulty that we are facing is in fact the vehicle to that growth is the vehicle to that, that calling that, that Christ has put on our life. He says, I, I'm not taking that away because it's there for a reason. It is sometimes the case that God is, is looking to use that which we are so fervently praying be taken away. <laughs> This morning we're're we're picking, we, picking up where we left off in the Book of Philippians and starting in, in chapter one and moving to, from verse 11 to verse 12 through 18. I'm going to read that for us this morning. I want you to know, brothers, that what has happened to me has really served to advance the gospel, so that it has become known throughout the whole Imperial Guard and to all the rest that my imprisonment is for Christ. And most of the brothers, having become confident in the Lord by my imprisonment, are much more bold to speak the word without fear. Some indeed preach Christ from envy and rivalry, but others from goodwill. The latter do it out of love, knowing that I'm put here for the defense of the gospel, and the former proclaim Christ out of selfish ambition, not sincerely, but thinking to afflict me in my imprisonment. What then? Only that in every way, whether in pretense or in truth, Christ is proclaimed. And in that, I rejoice. It's a a common thing for a toddler to have a a condition called nursemaid's elbow. Um, It happens because a toddler is holding on to mom or dad's hand and what happens with toddlers sometimes? They fall down. <laughs> and what happens when a toddler falls down and, and mom or dad is holding the hand is sometimes what happens is that elbow is essentially dislocated. You know, that's, that's basically what it is. And it's because the ligaments and the, the tendons and the muscles that are in that area are not strong enough to, to hold that elbow in place. I think it's happened with both of our children, right? Or just, just all, just Eve. It was both, and I think both grandpas were involved in in one instance of them each. So they felt really bad about it. Uh, <laughs> but it just happens. It's, it's just a a normal part. It's nothing wrong. But what happens is it's it's in pain until it gets put back, and it, it's going to hurt when it gets put back. And so what happens is what you it, it's a difficult conversation to have with maybe a two-year-old or a three-year-old, but you, you, you have to try and have this conversation that says I, I recognize that you're hurting right now. This thing that's about to happen is going to hurt a lot more but then after that you're going to feel so much better. How do you have that conversation with a two-year-old? <laughs> you typically don't. <laughs> if you, you take an adult who has a, a dislocated shoulder, and they, they recognize that they're in pain, they recognize that, that the process of putting that shoulder back is going to hurt a lot. <laughs> but they recognize that on the other side of that pain is relief. A relief that is so much better than where they're at right now. Maybe we can start kind of putting some, some church behind this. <laughs> if the suffering or the, the hardship that you are experiencing in this life was to result in complete relief. Would that result in in your ability to say, yeah, I I can accept that difficulty that I'm going through, knowing that on the other side of that, there is ultimate relief. And and let's be honest, most of us would say, well, it depends. (laughs) If I get to choose from column A and column B, what those sufferings are gonna be, what those hardships are. If I can respectfully decline the hardships out of column C, then yeah, I can sign up for that. Once God submits to me his proposal of what my life should look like and I sign off on it, then, then we'll be good to move forward. Doesn't work that way, does it? What was... Paul's perspective as he was writing this letter. We're gonna keep coming back to this specific point frequently because the the context matters. As I said last week, Paul's not not writing this from the four seasons. He's not sitting in his you know white spa robe, having his his feet in a soak with like fish sucking on his toes or anything like that. No, he is in prison. He's in jail. He's more than likely chained to a Roman guard. But what we see in in the life and in the example of Paul is that suffering does not slow down the gospel of Christ. Paul believes that the suffering that he is experiencing is for a purpose. What happens when you recognize that a, a hardship or a difficulty that you're going through Has a purpose. Doesn't it make it so much easier to go through? Like, if you know that at the end of that hardship, there's going to be something amazing. I mean, that's oftentimes the only way, the only thing that's getting us through to the other side. Now, I haven't gone through this personally, but I have have seen a child carried to term and, and given birth. And, and I have to believe that the idea of a child at the other end of that is the only reason a woman goes through that process. <laughs> and I'm sure if we look at, at our lives, there's, there's other examples of things that, that we would only do because we know what the, the end result is going to be. When you recognize that there is a purpose to hardship, it becomes bearable. When you recognize that there's a purpose to hardship, you're given a goal that you can strive for. Paul's in prison because he, he tells people that Jesus has been risen from the dead. And for that, he's put in jail. And you know, I don't know about you, but for me, that'd be a little discouraging. God, I was doing what you told me to do. You knocked me off a horse. You blinded me. You gave me my sight back. You told me to go do the thing. I did the thing, and now I'm put in jail. This does not seem fair. Paul never writes that in his letters. <laughs> What, what does Paul do when he's put in jail? He, he recognizes that when he's put in jail, that, that hardship, that difficulty presents a new opportunity. And so it says in that verse that we just read that the entire imperial guard knows the gospel of Christ. Why? Because they've been chained to him night and day. It's like, fine. You want to hook me up with a Roman guard on my arm? Captive audience. And so he starts preaching the gospel to the guards, and so finally, like, man, we got to, we can't have that guy around. Him, we need to put in a different one. Is great, a new one. And so he he preaches the gospel to the next guy, and the next guy, and the next guy, until entire, the entire Roman guard is like, yeah, we know who Jesus is. We can tell you about the gospel. Paul has experienced so many different physical. And emotional difficulties in his life. If we look at 2 Corinthians chapter 11, he has this list. <laughs> and, and if you look at this list, you're like, man, I, could, I don't want one of those, let alone all of them. He says, I've worked much harder, I've been in prison more frequently. We haven't been to prison, right? <laughs> For the gospel of Christ, I mean. Uh, been flogged more severely, been exposed to death again and again. Five times I received from the Jews the 40 lashes minus one. Three times I was beaten with rods. Once I was stoned. Three times I was shipwrecked. I spent a night and a day in the open sea. I've been constantly on the move. I've been in danger from rivers, in danger from bandits, in danger from my fellow Jews, in danger from Gentiles, in danger in the city, in danger in the country, in danger at sea. And in danger from false believers, I've labored and toiled and often gone without sleep. I've known hunger and thirst. I've often gone without food. I have been cold and naked. And besides everything else, I face daily the pressure of my concern for all of the churches. I mean, any time I'm feeling like, man, church is hard. <laughs> you come, you look at this chapter, and you're like, okay, I'm good. <laughs> I'm doing Okay. <laughs> One thing that, that this passage of scripture kind of reminds me is that it's never a good idea to try and, and out-suffer. <laughs> you ever have that where you're sharing something that's going on in your life and somebody else just decides that they need to, to one-up your suffering that's going on? And what do you wanna do? I mean, normally you just wanna be like, shut up. <laughs> Stop talking. That, I'm, I'm pleased that you had a harder time in life than I did, but for right now, this is difficult. Paul recognizes that he would have never been in the mission field that he finds himself if he got to choose. You look at that list. If Paul got to choose from column A, and he got to choose from column B and say, yeah, I'm gonna pass on column C as far as that list of sufferings goes. I'm just gonna take this group, thanks God. Would he have ever found himself in the places that he found himself? Would he have chose to be shipwrecked? Would he have made the choice to be beaten multiple times? Would he have chosen to be stoned? Of course not. But he also recognizes that in the midst of that hardship, the gospel of Christ is being preached. In the midst of that hardship, he was called to bring the gospel to the Gentiles. And he hadn't made his way to Rome yet. And yet here he is influencing the Roman imperial guard. Our sufferings often place us with unexpected opportunities among unexpected people. There was a pastor who was ministering in a prison, modern day. He got permission to, to go in on on Monday afternoons and he would hold church for the people that were in prison there. Due to budget cuts and staffing, it was this pastor, a female guard, and 100 prisoners that he was was ministering to. And, and in the midst of his message, he pointed out that they may have had mistakes that that they made in their life. They may have had choices that they made that that landed them where they're at today. But that didn't mean that God couldn't use them still. As he was speaking to them, he was pointing out, there are, are cell blocks within this prison that I as a pastor can't go to, but you can. There are areas in this prison that, that I can't share the gospel in, but you can. And while I'm here to, to minister to you as, as someone who is in prison, I'm here to minister to you and to, to uplift you. I'm also here to send you into the mission field to which God has called you. Which, yes, it may be within these four walls, but that does not mean that God can't use you anymore. Less the difficulties or the hardships that that are placed in our path can be used as a platform. Sometimes when we look at an obstacle like this chair, let's say I'm I'm trying to, to talk to Charlotte and I, I want to walk to Charlotte, and there's no way but, but this path right here, and there's this chair in front of me, I can choose to look at this and say, well, my, my path to, to Charlotte is blocked, and so I just have to wait until this obstacle is moved. I just have to pray that, that God would move this obstacle, that he would remove this obstacle from my life, And until then, I'm just gonna stay here. Or I can stand up on this obstacle and this becomes the platform and I can speak to Charlotte and she can see me and everyone else can see me and everyone else can see that this obstacle, this hardship that was placed in my life, yes, it was difficult, yes, it was hard, but I am choosing to use it as a platform to proclaim the gospel of Christ. Amen. Are there areas in your life that seem to simply be stopping you from moving forward? What if what you had been considering a blockade, an obstacle, is in fact a platform that God is calling you to step up onto? We see in in the next verse that that there are brothers within the the prison and outside of the prison that are seeing the behavior of Paul and saying, if Paul can do that, then who am I to to say that, no, I'm not going to, to participate in the calling that God has put on my life? If we look at, at verse 14, there's a specific point that we want to focus on. It's that that our perseverance can give courage to others that are facing similar hardships. It's not just about you. I know that's that sounds harsh, <laughs> but it's not. It's not just about you. What if somebody else is going through something that you are going through it and, and you're able to point out and say, I know what you are going through is difficult. I know what you are going through seems impossible to bear, but I'm here to tell you that I have been through that and I am on the other side and I can tell you that God is faithful Some of you have things going on in your life that it would be so easy to throw in the towel. It would be so easy to quit. If I can encourage you this morning to recognize that that choice not to is what allows you to become that example. The excuses that, that other people have disappear when you choose to not give in. Because people will look at your life and say, well, goodness, if Paula can go through that in her life and she can come through on the other side, who am I to say that I can't do this? And the fact of the matter is is that the sufferings and the hardships of this present time don't compare to the glory to which we look forward to. I would love to stand up here and tell you, the suffering or the hardship, the obstacle, the, the difficulty that you are facing in your life is going to go away in the next three days. It might. It might not. It might take three months might take 3 years. You might not you might live your entire life with that difficulty, that pain, that hardship going on. But what I can tell you is when you reach glorification when when you are with Jesus those hardships disappear. There was for me one of the, the most important reminders in this, this set of verses was about this group of bitter believers. This group of of jealous, bitter people that were participating in the ministry, that were proclaiming the gospel with impure motives. They were doing it to try and, and make their name bigger. They were trying to to create followers for their, themselves rather than followers of Christ. Normally when when we see that we pray, God, we ask you would, you would reveal them that you would would make them fail that you you would would show who they are that you would would justify that you would judge them. That you would, would make everything right except for when you're looking at my life. Don't, don't worry about that. There, there are people like this, though, in the church that, that have a desire to see their kingdom be built. And normally... When, when you see that happening and, and something happens to them, maybe we're not very vocal about it, but in our hearts we're like, serves them right. When the subject of our jealousy falls, we gloat. And then there's a really short hop that happens after that to where we say, Man, serves them right for, for what they were doing. To then say, I'm so glad I'm not like that. And and pride starts to grow. But what's Paul's reaction? Who cares? Who cares? Paul recognized a very important truth that we all need to recognize. It's not about Paul. It's about Jesus. If my suffering exalts Christ, bring it on. If there needs to be people that are proclaiming the gospel of Christ and, and they're doing it for the wrong reason. Who cares if the gospel of Christ is being preached? They can say all the things that they want to say about me. I don't care. We pray asking God for justice on everybody but ourselves. We ask God to expose the people around us to act as a judge, but Paul doesn't care. We Need to stop filtering every trouble that we face by how it affects us, and rather how it promotes the gospel of Christ. That's a hard thing to do. It is. It's difficult to get out of the motives of recognizing that, man. There are a lot of things happening in my life that I don't like. And instead of focusing on those things, I'm now choosing to say, God, there are things happening in my life that I wish weren't happening, but since I'm here, how do I further the gospel of Christ? What is the purpose to which you have called me? It's okay to ask for God to remove those things. Did you know that? It's not like a demonstration of a lack of, of faith or, you know, you're not less of a, a believer by saying, God, I, I really want this, this taken out of my life. This is something that, that I believe you can address. That's okay. But there are times that he's gonna say no. That, that suffering that is taking place in your life is there to be used. God can renew what you want removed. Did you know that God never, ever, ever wastes a moment of your life? Think about that for a moment. God never wastes a moment of your life. There's never a time where, where God says, I, I just need you to wait for a minute because I, I'm doing some other stuff. Now, God does ask us to wait, but it's for a reason. And that waiting is when we find growth. And that waiting is when we, we find development. if you stop and think about the times in your life that were the most spiritually enriching, that were the most spiritually fulfilling, is it possible that maybe those, some of those times were the hardest times as well? I know in my life, sometimes the, the hardest difficulties that, that I'm facing are what, what bring me closest to God, that, that forced me to rely on God the most. Say, God, I know who you are. Because if, if you weren't here, if you weren't in this circumstance, if you weren't standing in my life with me, I would have fallen already. What suffering do you wish that God would remove from your life right now? So we are like, how much time do you have We've got a list. It's okay to ask God to remove that suffering from your life. But my question to you is this. If that circumstance doesn't change, are you willing to see God use it for the spread of the gospel of Christ? Paul asks God multiple times to remove the, the thorn from his flesh. We don't really know what that is. It's some, some sickness, some ailment that he was experiencing. And guess what? God says, no. I mean, Paul was like the dude. I mean, he wrote like most of the New Testament. He was the apostle of apostles. He, he was, if there was anybody that should have gotten the, the free pass, it probably was Paul. But God said no. He said, my grace is made perfect in your weakness. And so Paul, instead of saying, man, this stinks, he comes back and he says that I will boast in my weakness. If your grace is made perfect in my weakness, then I will boast in it. I will boast in insult. I will boast in hardship and persecution and calamity. I will boast in all of those things because I'm recognizing that in my weakness, in my being smaller, you become larger. And as you become larger, the gospel of Christ is furthered even more. There's a a testimony Of a a woman named Joni Erickson Tata. She was a a diver who injured herself and she became a a quadriplegic. Completely paralyzed. She wanted to do something and so she started painting with the, the paintbrush in her mouth. And she told this story. She said, I I sure hope that when I get to heaven, I can bring this wheelchair. Now I know that's not theologically correct, but I hope to bring it and to put it in a little corner of heaven. And then in my new, perfect, glorified body, Standing on grateful, glorified legs. I'll stand next to my Savior, holding his nail-pierced hands, and I'll say, "Thank you, Jesus." And he'll know that I mean it because he knows me. He me. He recognizes me from the fellowship we're now sharing in his suffering. And I'll say, Jesus, do you see that wheelchair? You were right when you said that in this world we would have trouble, because that thing was a lot of trouble. (laughs) But the weaker I was in that thing, the harder I leaned on you. And the harder I leaned on you, the stronger I discovered you to be. It never would have happened had you not given me the bruising of the blessing of that wheelchair. And then the real ticker tape parade of praise will begin. And all of the earth will join in the party. And at that point, Christ will open up our eyes to the great fountain of joy in his heart for us beyond all that we have ever experienced on earth. And when we're able to stop laughing and crying, the Lord Jesus really will wipe away our tears. And she says, I find it so poignant that finally, at the point when I do have the use of my arms to wipe away my own tears, I won't have to. What hardship exists in your life? What difficulty have you been standing behind that God is telling you to stand on top of? Say yes, this, this wasn't what you would have chosen. This wasn't your first choice, but you are here. And because you are here, Use it. Heavenly Father, we thank you that the trials and the pains and the hardships of this life are temporary. Temporary and just a a flash when compared to the eternity that we will experience with you. God, we do look forward to that time where you will wipe away every tear. Lord, I ask that you would would touch the hearts of your people this morning. Lord, if there are areas that, that need to be brought to light, God, that you would do that. As we come together in prayer and ministry, Lord, we ask that you would reveal where we need to step out God, we come together this morning and we, we do pray for the, the removal of pain and the removal of hardship, the removal of sickness. And, and we trust that you are a God who heals, that you are a God who provides, you are a God who restores. Lord, but we stand confident in your timing. And if your timing is to heal and to restore and to renew today, in this moment, Lord, we ask for that and we praise you and we give you the glory and the honor for who you are and for what you've done. But God, if that restoration and healing is to come when we're with you, Lord, we, we accept that and we choose to grow in the midst of that.